Welcome everyone to another episode of the Catripple Podcast with our reoccurring guest Yusro. You want to introduce yourself again? Indeed. Um, so I'm Yusro. I am a casual World of Warship streamer, although I do a lot of other stuff these days. And you can find me at twitch.tv forward slash Yusro, as well as the occasional YouTube video on youtube.com forward slash Yusro. What can I say? Brand identity is a great thing. Occasional heretic, though, so be prepared for opinions that might set Reddit on fire. <laughs> well, and with that, we're going to start with basically the patch that has just hit yesterday on Europe. And it's the anniversary patch, although the anniversary isn't going to start until, uh, uh, I think, next Friday. Yeah, give something or, like that. Give or take. It's around about the middle of September. And yeah, you, you're going to be able to get uh, the snowflake sort of thing. I think they're just called gifts these days. And what I still haven't figured out is uh, we got the same graphic that we got back then in DevBlock. It's basically if you have more ships in your port, you can unlock more containers with one win, like containers from other ships. You don't have to actually play each ship. But yes, the thing, right? The, the more ships you have, the more containers you can unlock with a, with a good battle, but also the experience reward rises. But let, let's say I have like 410 ships, right? So it'd be in the 400 to 499 category. And then I get the game with a thousand base experience. That means I haven't managed to get the four extra rewards that I could get in my category. Am I still getting the three extra rewards or I'm getting nothing? I guess we're going to find out. Um... Although the other thing I'm not sure of is if you take a ship out and you get the baseline. Let me just pop the anniversary article myself to make sure of this. So, as I said, okay, so the standard reward is win the battle or and or get more than 300 base XP. If things, and that's irrespective of how many ships you've got. And then you can get up to five bonus rewards for 1,200 base XP, 400, 800,000, etc. Uh, what I am not... I think you will not get the bonus. Um, yeah, so, so it's basically... That. Me too. So that if, if you have more ships, you've got to play the game better or you'll get no bonus, basically. Well... I, I won't go that far. Bear in mind that they're pro if I'm reading this right, they're probably going to knock off four snowflakes from other ships. Yes, the bonus rewards. So you can see, you'll get the same number of bonuses. You're just going to have to play more games. Yeah, um, yeah. It's it's not like you're you're totally getting less. Yeah, it's just that yeah. you're just unlocking them as fast. So so having more ships isn't necessarily an advantage of getting snowflakes fast basically basically i mean they're not diddling you out of any rewards as far as i can tell if you are willing to play one game in every ship you have you can still get all the rewards it's just that it's going to be considerably quicker if you can hit that xp threshold and i think they're working on the assumption that anybody with four or five hundred ships in the port can reasonably be expected to know what they're doing and potentially pull off a 1,000 base XP game. Even if things go a little bit wonky. 
mean, it, that that is an assumption one could make. Sure, I, I don't know if it would be <laughs> necessarily an assumption that would definitely one hundred percent hold true. <laughs> well, even if things go a bit sideways in one game, pull off a win in the next one, and you've not lost that much, have you? True. I mean, I suppose the important thing is that having more ships. It, it, like the whole thing is meant so that it's not going to take you dramatically longer. Yeah, um, and I think that's the point. The idea is that no matter how many ships you've got, as long as you're holding a reasonable level of performance, it's going to take about a hundred games or less to knock off. Well, give or take to get all the rewards. That seems to be the way they're aiming it. Eighty, ninety games, maybe. Yeah, I mean, the like even reaching like the maximum, like the the thousand two hundred base experience isn't that hard, especially like in arena at least. But the, the thing that I'm thinking about is like a cope doesn't, for example, give that much experience. And in in past years where you couldn't get extra bonuses, a lot of people just jumped into cope and lock snowflakes. I wonder yeah. if uh, like if you have, assuming you have like five hundred ships, how often do we get one thousand two hundred base experience in cope? You don't. So, but the point yeah. is that co-op games rarely take more than five minutes compared yeah, to exactly. rando taking that, 20. That means you well, couldn't... It's like, to not even hit the 300 XP playing co-op, so yeah. I, I suppose... But you're yeah, going to win. Yeah, you're yeah. still, still going to have to spam out your co-op games if you want to do it yeah. in co-op. Yeah, I mean, you, could, you can still spam co-op, as Jedi's just said. It's just that getting into random and having a decent run will get you done that much quicker. So it's, it's, it's an interesting approach. Um, for what period of time, um, Tom McCoy just, just asked in chat. It's uh, 16th of September until 14th of October. Now, those are Europe 8. I guess NA might be a day off or two. Possibly, but they won't be much more than that. So four weeks, plus or minus. Yes, four weeks on the dot, in fact. Well, that seems quite reasonable, to be honest. Yep, and I think that's the point. Um, let's see. Also, we have the festive tokens as well. Um, are, are those the ones where you have to play, like, the, the website Battleship game? I Give me a second. Uh you, you can get up to 800 tokens in exchange for community tokens. You get you can get 800 tokens in exchange for credits. And yes, Warship Strike, which is their new web activity, well, armory activity. We'll see how fun that is. Um, and that is required to get most of it. So maximum is 5,920 tokens, uh, with 5,120 tokens if you don't want to drop your community tokens. But uh, anniversary camos at a thousand each for the tier sevens, and some expendable camos at thirty each. Container packs two hundred each. Yeah, yeah, a couple of perma camos and a few expendables and resources. Again, not a bad way to get a, I suppose, semi-free stuff. I mean, it's interesting that most tokens are acquired through playing the minigame and not playing the actual game. I I wonder if they're 
testing some new armory functionality there. Because we all know Wargaming like to do little quiet tech tests when they're running their events. True. Halloween being a key thing for them. But this is a new level of armory interaction I don't think we've seen before. I mean, see, the thing that I'm asking myself is, like, you can open the armory in a website, right? So you could open the armory yes. on your phone, I presume. And this seems like a game that you could play on your phone, if, if that... Depending on how, that how it works. That hadn't occurred to me, but yes, you're right. The armory, as I understand, is basically a web page in an embedded browser. So, yeah, in theory, if you knew where to point your phone's browser and you had the right account permissions hooked in, go for it. See, that's why I'm asking myself, because like there are a lot of video games these days that have some sort of app or some sort of functionality that you can do with your phone, like maybe, maybe I don't know. Uh, yeah, send, I mean, Watch uh, Dogs was, yeah, Watch Dogs was one of the first, World of Warcraft. As you say, a lot of big games will do almost the admin stuff via your phone. So things like inventory management, little mini-games, background tasks, etc. I I don't know what World of Warships would use this functionality for. That's what gets me. I wonder if it's just, let's see if we can do this tech and have a bit of fun while we're at it. I mean, ultimately, they would want to use it as an avenue for making money somehow. Because Oh, yeah. Definitely. You know, they're, a they're, they're a company. They, yeah, <laughs> it's how they put bread on the table. And how they've got a rent a tier one data center, amongst other things. Several tier one data centers, in fact. So, yeah, at some point, this is going to monetize. What I don't see is how it ties into WoWs beyond the theme. I mean, that, that's I why I'm we'll... asking myself if they are going to try to enter like some sort of mobile thingy because, you know, getting people to, to log in and then, I don't know, earning them some sort of tokens and whatnot that they can then spend on on other stuff. Maybe, maybe. Wow, but they've got WoW's Legends. No, Legends is console. Oh, God. Because... I think it's the mobile slash Yeah, but... Well, the Tanks has Blitz, which is, as you say, mobile tablet. But I'm trying to remember if WoWs did it, because you've got the PC version, you've got Legends on console. I thought Warships Blitz had, to me for a part of the metaphor, sunk. Uh, I mean, I've I, never played it. The neither, website neither still is there, saying you can still play it, so I'm guessing it's still a thing. Okay, I mean, it's gone very, very Wire, but then again, we may simply be moving in the wrong circles for that to get our attention. I mean, I don't know. I've, I've never played the, the mobile version of Warships. I could imagine that a Warships game is something that's not so quick, right? And sometimes yeah. with your phone or any phone game, you look something that you can do for a minute or two while, while you're standing somewhere or waiting for something and not by any are. 10 minutes or so to... I think it's probably quicker than that, to be honest. I mean, they're, they're fairly small matches from what I remember. But it's, yeah. it's probably this kind of thing that'd be much better on a tablet rather than a phone. Yeah. Which is oh, really oh without question. Oh, God, can you imagine trying to get all the UI stuff onto a typical phone screen? Yeah. No! <laughs> what is this? Warships for ants? <laughs> yeah, so, so, so I could see them implementing something that's more... 
But I don't know. I'm just speculating, obviously. Yeah, I mean, it's it's fairly obviously a quiet tech test of browser function, but I just don't see where it's going to tie to the game. So I guess it will find out. But it may well be have a look at, have a play with, and then go, well, put it to one side. Things like the destructible terrain they tried in the Mad Max mode. Um, we've seen that, and then it's kind of just gone away for a bit. I mean, so these things do take a while to filter through to the um, sort of the, the main game, as it were. Uh, I mean, yeah. submarines are a case in point. <laughs> they took those away for a fair while before they were like, hey, actually, we are going to have subs. And it wasn't just a one-time Halloween thing. And everyone's yes. rejoiced. Um, <clears throat> yeah. Uh, <laughs> more on that later, I suppose. <laughs> but before that, there is some sort of good news, right? Because we also have reworked operations. Yay! Indeed, which is, I think, something a lot of people have been... Well, some people, anyway. Certain certain segments have been very vocally asking for for a long time, and uh, Wargaming has finally decided that they will indeed give it a go. Yep, and from what I've had the chance to play of it, it actually seems to have worked out. And the tier six to eight scaling. Well, I've heard a couple of horror stories, but I haven't personally run into anything too outrageous. But then yeah, again, I, I'm, I'm the same. I'm really enjoying the, the extra variety of ships that you're able to take. Um, that, that's certainly the difficulty. Like, I think it's... I mean, we were talking about this a little before the stream, but yeah, it's going to take some, some tweaking to get the balance exactly right for some operations. But um, overall, yeah, it, it's uh, fairly enjoyable so far. Yes, and it'll... With the with, with the interest from the player base, because I think a lot of people are dipping their toes back into ops, it'll be interesting to see how many people realize that this isn't just randos with a bit of scripting thrown on. You do actually have to change how you play. Indeed. Um, in, again, going back to what we were saying before stream, one of the horror stories I run into was a team that was playing Raptor Rescue, supposedly, and they ran a full eight mix, and somehow they got a Yamato on the map, which proceeded to headshot the Raptor with its first broadside. So if that's true, and it's Reddit, it may be complete bunk, um, Yeah, then yes, there may need to be some tuning, I suspect, on the edge cases, so the high-end teams. If you take a full load of Tier 8 premium battleships, and carriers, and the game decides, you know what, let's really turn up the difficulty and response. Then, yeah, I can see some interesting things happening. But for the most part, the balancing seems to have worked out really well. You commented that not only are we seeing ship tiers and classes being tweaked, but the stats on those ships are being tweaked for a fair amount of fine-tuning as well. So Wargaming have clearly given themselves some leeway to work with. Yeah, that that is a, a thing I, I've noticed particularly with. Um, it's obviously happening with the enemy ships, but you can notice it happening with with allied ships right at the start, where the health bar will flash a bit, and it's adjusting the hit points essentially uh, of of your uh, some of your allied ships. Uh, it's obviously doing the same with enemy ships as well. So the the Yamato that shows up in uh, 
um, uh, defensive newports um, can end up with, uh, what was it? Somebody said like 120,000? 120K, 122K, something like that. And uh, the Missourian Aegis can end up with almost 100,000 hit points. So uh, it, it's that that kind of dynamic adjustment is also a new feature that is uh, uh, pretty interesting. And um, that again is be interesting if, if that somehow makes into. I, I mean, I'm not sure what context you'd use that within uh, normal games, but um, I I think you might use it to fine tune the difficulty in co-op. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, maybe. But yeah. it's it's definitely a fine tuning setting on just the granular. Okay, we'll match tier for tier, type for type, class for class. I mean, it so allows you to 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 like difficulty levels, right? Once once you've got like the balancing down, also uh, it's not just that you adjust like the, the standard difficulty, right? You can then okay, let's do hard, and basically give everybody a. Uh, I don't know, thirty percent bonus on on their stats, right? Like every enemy and so on. So it it gives yeah. you opportunity to to play around with them. Yes, and of course the AI is turned up a bit in ops as well. Um, the last time they tried that in COP, I seem to recall it involved a lot of dead yeah, they players. Had to, they had to revert the uh, the AI to the the previous version because it was killing players too easily. Yes, so I say first impressions really, really good. Um, the potential fly in the ointment is the current random rotation, but I believe they're planning to revert back to weeklies at some stage. Yeah, next patch they have like the Halloween, so they're gonna have like the one week of the first Halloween, then one week of the second Halloween operation, and then I think two weeks of the new submarine game mode. Yes. Um, we'll see how that plays out. I'm actually kind of looking forward to Wolfpack because if nothing else, it's going to mean a lot of people getting a lot of time on submarines. And I well, think that's probably as good a segue as we're going to get into this week's Torch and Pitchfork section. <laughs> uh... So, yes, submarines. Uh, there, should, there should we... Happy with the balance. Should we pull on our asbestos suits first? I mean, should, should we jump into directly into the roadmap? Because I think that's roadmap part. It, yeah, we might as well, yeah. So, the thing is, right, you, you said a lot of people will get a lot of uh, training in submarines in, in that mode, but submarines are going into early access in Zero Eleven Nine. That's when the submarine game mode will hit. Yes. So basically, if we know how early access works, we're probably going to get, I assume, the tier 6 free after grinding tokens and so on. And then you have to pay for the tier 8 and tier 10. Which means... Uh, now, depending on how the operation works tier-wise, you know, uh, that's going to be curious. I, I think that's, that's sort of an... They're trying to use that probably as an incentive to, to get people to spend money so that they can do the operation with better submarines. Uh, perhaps, perhaps. And uh, they may well pull out Hallow the Halloween submarines they have for the very, very first run. So we'll see how that plays. Um, 
but it is interesting to me that, that there've been I mean things like splitting the the hydrophone and like there've been so many changes to subs and it's like almost right up to the last minute major changes to how subs are working and now they're like yep subs are nearly ready well early access is essentially declaring we're going to do the last three, two, three months, and then we're probably going to go live January. So effectively, zero twelve zero in January will be the official launch of subs. Um, I, I mean, I mean that's that, that, oh, sort of the official launch, right? They, it's <laughs> it's, it's a live service game. Define. This kind of soft launch has always blurred the line a little, um, especially considering that it seems to be in beta now for, what, a year? More? Yeah, but it's like the, the, they, they usually, like, they finish the balancing before they start early access. Like, they do, do ship lines, right? They, they, once the balancing is complete, then they start early access where the ship line is sort of released, but you have to pay to get it, right? They build the hype, and yeah, you there's like, varying degrees of access, and yes, they do monetize. They, they, I don't think they've ever like done any balance changes during early access in the last year or so, right? They basically they have early access, then they have the two months of uh, where you can pay for them, and then they release them, and then I think after the release, our month after the release is the first time where they might rebalance something like usually for ship lines, obviously submarines especially. We'll see how this works with subs. Yeah. Um, there is one area where I'm still not happy, and that's sub v sub interaction absent the hydrophone. Because at the moment, it's. Uh, who was it? Uh, I think it was Overlord Boo had a clip recently where he was literally in contact with the enemy sub, as in hulls were touching. Hydrophone went off and he lost contact immediately. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah yeah i mean okay to an extent that's kind of how it went because prior to modern sonar that you could literally go within 100 yards of another sub and probably only hear them but um it doesn't make for good gameplay. i it, it doesn't make for well it comes with its own challenges, and it certainly means that sub-on-sub action is kind of a non-thing, because it's, who's got their standard hydrophone off cooldown? And the answer tends to be, both of you, or neither of you, because everyone pops it simultaneously when they're hunting, or one pops it five seconds after they get lit up by the other. And it just turns into 90 seconds odd of slow-speed dogfighting, and then... Three minutes of, well, okay, fine. Coffee break, anybody? Um, so I think if they bring back proxy spotting for subs underwater, then that will probably be a good thing. I mean, given that it exists for literally every, every other class of... Ship. Yes, even when there is a mile and a half of island in the way. Yeah. Then, yeah, prox that would work, I think. Um, but other than that, I'm, I realize this, this is an unpopular opinion, but I don't actually have any great gripes about subs either for or against. 
given what they're, especially given what they're saying about the sonar pings, that you'll be able to see both the ping treads as it heads across, and you'll get the location pulse as well. And that's going to make double pinging actually quite risky, because the first pulse is going to tell you, hey, sub that way. You go looking, ping, oh, there's the pulse. Death charges! That have been nerfed with, with the last update, by the way. I, oh, sorry, I, sorry, I mean unified. I still heavily think that the game would just overall be better off without them in randoms, but I don't Definitely. Know. I have a burning mm-hmm. hatred for submarines. They're one of the greatest bullshit this game has ever <laughs> seen, and oh god, I hate them so much. Like, it's... Uh... Compared to the destroyers with infinite reloads, the battleships that accelerate in 30 seconds, what took their historical counterparts two hours, um, the cycling of flight groups that, well, I'll go ask the crews of the Akagi and the Kaga what air deck cycling meant for them on a certain day in 1942. Uh, let's see what else. Oh, yes. My, my complaints <laughs> are not realism-based. I have no problem with submarines being unrealistic, but the problem I have with submarines in this game is that they are the only class that's basically undetectable. It wishes to be the only thing that can really spot them on the bottom is another sub or technically a hydro within two kilometers. But subs are the, the class that basically, just like carriers in a sense, but possibly even more so than carriers, can you can play this game perfectly and get wrecked by a sub because there is no counter. There is nothing you can do. When the sub surface is in front of you, you're fucked. And there is also the sub spotting, and you can't spot the sub back because all the tools that you usually use to spot, like a sneaky ship against a destroyer, don't work against the sub. It's so fucking dumb game mechanics. It's so... It, it's like you can't only come up with the submarine concept if you don't actually play this game or if you, ju- if you just don't understand this game at all. Like, it's... Okay, sorry. <laughs> I, I, I mean, I suspect that there were probably people in Wargaming that probably felt the same way, but I suspect that this was sort of like a management-led, well, we're going to have subs and that's it and make them work. I, I yeah, suspect that work. was at the core of it, yes. But what gets me, and okay, I'm maybe coming from a different place to either of you because I started out as a Japanese torpedo ninja driver, is that everything you're complaining about with the subs is stuff I could do to you perfectly fine with a Shimakaze or a Yugumo, probably no. do better with no. a Shima or a Yugumo. Trust me, Shimakaze is my, my most played ship in this game. And I'm very good with a Shimakaze, and no. no I, I <laughs> that was emphatic. Uh, I also, um, my, my second most played ship type are the German rolling battleships, and I tell you, what you can do in a submarine in the Shimakaze is worlds apart. I'm not saying that the, the submarine is technically a better ship than a Shimakaze, because there's ships, uh, things that a Shima can do that the sub can't. It's that you can't counterplay a sub, right? I can deal with Shimas. I can deal with basically everything except for carriers when I'm in, in, in my ships, right? I know how to play against anything, but there's nothing I can do against a sub, and that's that what gets me, right? This, you don't matter. Your skill doesn't matter. Like, against the sub, it matters. Is the sub good or not? Most subs are bad, so you can farm them. 
But if you meet a good sub, it's like you might as well press back to port. Like there is, there is, there is no mechanic in a game that helps you against a sub that knows so what it's doing. How is that different to a good torpedo ninja dumping eight, twelve, fifteen fish off your flank, and you never first because thing you hear is I, the ping? Because I know that that the shima is on the flank, right? Usually, because uh, well, first of all. I mean, it depending is, on the ship that pretty, you're in, you, you get detected. Right, I want so, to interject and say, it, it, it yeah. can happen that you get caught totally unawares by a destroyer that's unspotted and you just get, like, nuked out of the water. But I think that's a lot less common an occurrence than than destroyers, uh, than subs being able to... to um, basically keep doing that same thing over and over again and having far more limited ways to deal with it. See, the thing is... Oh, I think that. Yeah. I mean, it's not like I've never been caught by Shimmer or something, but it's usually my fault, right? And most of the time, you know when a destroyer is flanking you because you you can see the signs, right? If you have somebody in your team with RPF, they can see that RPF ping moving around. If, If you get spotted... Uh, you know that there must be a destroyer somewhere around. If, for example, if the cap's not contested, but you get spotted by something, then you usually know it's flanking about. And oftentimes there's something with uh, or some ship with RPF, maybe when you have RPF that's pointing towards where it comes, right? And then you can sort of, ang- as long as you know where the destroyer is, you can either like turn away from it or you can angle towards it because it's going to be a wall, right? So you might just be eating one if you're unlucky, if it's a nose top and so on. But a single-launch top from, like, close quarters can't be dodged, basically. That's that's often the problem, right? And the thing is that you don't get those indications because RPF doesn't track us up, right? Uh, so it's not like you can see that it planes won't spot the sub if, if they go over it. Like, radar won't spot the sub if it's at least on, on periscope depth. It's like all the tools that you could have to detect that the sub's coming don't work because it's a sub, right? So a sub is the only ship that can really approach. The only thing that really works is another sub with hydrophone, and that's why they split the consumables, because subs were actually being detected by other subs, and Wargaming didn't want that. So they gave, on a longer cooldown, a separate hydrophone to just spot subs, because Wargaming, in their own words, didn't want submarines to get detected. So that's where that comes from. Okay, now go over all of what you've just said. And if I'm playing KG in Ashima or a Japanese destroyer, how does any of that change? Because I, I can hang off out of radar range and dump. Okay, that restricts me a little, but that's similar to a sub, having to run at periscope depth and burn batteries, or stay out of hydro range and dump. So, yeah. again... RPF, I know that you have you to go there. to max. You have to go to max depth to work again. You're burning your battery, and that's your oh shit button. It's your smoke. It's but they have enough. Compromise. A battery isn't short enough for them to to really be be too limited in that regard, right? I know the thing is there are very few good sub players. So most subs you encounter, it feels like subs aren't that bad because most subs are. If if they do something right, it's an accident. That's that's like ninety percent of subs that I run into. And I've killed plenty of them. But then you get this one game with a good sub. And then sometimes it's even a bad sub, but it just pressed the dive button, went close, surfaced, unloaded all torpedoes. It doesn't even kill you, but it's like half of your health are gone, the sub is gone. 
And it's just a frustrating encounter because, you know, the sub didn't even play very well. You couldn't do anything. Half of your health is gone. And it's, it's like sort of ruined your game. It's like, what for? And how is that different to, say, a Fasoan loading on you and getting lucky at 15k or 18k? Well, you have a much better chance of dodging the torps, for one thing, because they'll be... Are you just helping my case there, Jedi? <laughs> it's, it's, look, I've, I've it, played this game I... for seven years, and I can deal with every other thing in this battle just fine. It's... <laughs> It's subs that just have no, like, they, they patched all the counterplay out of it for the most part against a good sub because they, it's like with carriers, right? They didn't manage to make subs interesting or in any way, so they just made them annoying to deal with because it's, it's such a stupid thing. In my, in my obviously, Obviously, my subjective opinion, but uh, it's uh, as, as I said, right? There is no other thing that can make me rage that much than a submarine because there is nothing. Like, if, if at least I make a mistake, right? If I'm too broadside, if I'm not angled enough, if I if I knew that there was a destroyer but I didn't like pop my hydro in time, if I turned broadside to the destroyer troops, right? If I set sailing smoke, like there's so many things where it's me screwing up, right? And I can deal with that. I'd be frustrated, but I'm like, yeah, okay. My bad, right? I, I potato. But what I really hate is that I can do everything right and be absolutely punished because the game doesn't allow me to do things right in a sense, right? It's like it's just like the that you lose without you doing anything. And I hate that. Okay, so sub comes up and I, I agree. This scenario is a problem where the sub comes up at absolute point blank and shotguns you. And I agree. That is a problematic scenario. There aren't, um, I mean, there aren't really any destroyers that can do the same outside of, like, maybe the Palo Emilio, but you know that's coming. But on the other hand, as a destroyer that dumps its torps at 5k and unloads 8 or 15 of them is going to give you a, a similarly tricky problem when the ping goes off at 2,000 meters. And it's one of the accepted things in this game. If you hear the ping, it's probably too late. Now, I agree that the subsurface and shotgun thing is absolutely something that needs to be nerfed. That is a problem, particularly with the dumbfires, the higher damage ones. So what I would say is, okay, you come up, you're a point blank, 2K, right, you can't instantly fire. There is a 10 second or so period in which you're up at periscope depth and you're taking the vis penalty, you can be seen or even a proxy spot, and you've got to eat that 10 seconds in the sub before your tubes are cleared and you can fire the dumbfires. Because that, I think, would do a long way, go a long way, rather, to breaking the, the surface and shotgun thing that's seen as being uncounterable, if you will. But between that and the, the new ping tracing and the sub-on-sub interactions, I have to admit, I am, I'm not seeing too many problems 
and like I say, I, I am aware I am something of a heretic in this <laughs> I mean, Because it's, it's I, I'm not fine. seeing anything from the subs that a good torpedo destroyer captain can't do to you and can't do to you better I think at high tiers. For me, it's it's that... Um, how to put this? It's, it's that kind of... Uh, somewhat untouchable nature of CVs almost coupled with the the ability to make you have a very bad day all at once of a destroyer. And like one of those things alone is is potentially unpleasant to deal with, but both of those things in a single package wielded by a competent player is is uh kind of uh nightmarishly unpleasant. Mm, yeah, and Ax- what Axinant has just said is at very little to do with homing torps. Well, actually, there is, especially from the battleship. Because remember, the torps lose their homing at a fixed distance. And in a battleship in particular, it's so far out. If you see a sub's torps in a BB without hydro, they've lost homing. They're, they are straight running. Uh. So Depends. I think if they if they double ping, they are home pretty close in still. And mm-hmm. when when it comes to dodging homing torps, it depends a bit on uh, well, what battleship you're in and which which like angle they're coming from, right? Because okay, it's, uh, so this if you're perfectly into... positioned, then then sure. Like if you know where the sub is and you're running away from it, then you can usually dodge the tops quite easy. If the sub surprises you, even if it's a bit out, if you like see the ping, and maybe you start turning away from the ping, but if the tops are already too close, then they're gonna turn in and, and still hit you because your ship can't turn fast enough away from them. So it depends a bit on the situation. So if the sub drivers had the skill and the patience to work up on you like that. Shouldn't he get those torp hits? How's that different to a battleship or a cruiser or a destroyer positioning correctly and getting into place and getting their attack executed properly? I have no problem if there was a sign of it uh, and you just missed it or uh, like you could get away. See, that this is usually what I have a problem with, right? That uh, a destroyer moving into position is something that's usually predictable. Like, a destroyer kind of uh, topping me that I didn't know of happens very, very rarely. A bit bit of it, for me, also, is that the the homing capability removes a lot of of the chance from torpedoes. If you're dumping your torpedoes out at, say, 15 kilometers, uh, if you're doing it at, at max range, there's a pretty good chance that they're not going to hit because somebody will have made a course maneuver by that point. And, uh, of course, with torpedoes at home, well, they will keep tracking you up until relatively close. So it kind of completely negates part of the skill of, of dodging torpedoes. That's, that's, for me anyway, part of the interplay between uh, destroyer and battleship is, is anticipating when there might be a destroyer nearby, which is a lot easier than it used to be in the old days. Now everybody's basically got that little alert that pops up. And um, for, for subs, of course, they, they don't have to put up with the RNG of battleship guns or they don't have to put, put up with the RNG of, of torpedo spacing, which sometimes has that nice battleship-sized gap that just appears or a cruiser-sized gap or whatever. And uh, instead, it, it's like 
I, I mean, can you imagine if if, if the, the British single fire launchers had homing, for instance? That's basically what submarines get. Not anymore, given the shotgun, given the, I think it's seven, eight degree dispersion they now have on their launch tubes. Okay, well, so it's a bit worse um, than it was. It's isn't it like, worse than it was. Isn't it like two or three? Like they tried to up the dispersion and uh, three days later they basically reversed they, it they, almost they, completely. They started it, they upped it, and then they partially wound it back. Yeah. yeah so no, it, is, it's, it is not the single fire British dispersion anymore. You cannot reliably shotgun six down the same line. You can't do that. But you can put six, as I say, it's within about, a, well, eight degrees off the line. So 16 degrees, give or take, I think. I, I'm pretty sure they reduced it to two or three degrees dispersion. You, you could be right. Um, because they, they what, what you're thinking is like the, the numbers that they, they wanted to do, but like being like Wargaming, they realized they actually nerfed submarines, so they rolled that back very quickly. Or possibly they realized it actually overcooked it a bit too much, and hey, they hmm. it's it's funny because they say here that they they added the dispersion like that at one of the things that they did, but they reversed that so hard that it's barely dispersion. Now there's like if you're like a very small destroyer, then it might matter, right? If you're like a nose in shimmer against the sub, maybe only half will come directly to the nose and the others will be slightly spaced, although that's not really that much of a yeah. difference. If you're something bigger yeah. than a shimmer, then you won't feel that, that dispersion much. Probably not, no. Um, but it, it does weaken a bit. As I say, they need to do something about the surface and shotgun point blank. Um, but, and they need to do something about the, uh, the sub-on-sub interaction. But other than that, as I say, I am aware that I I am heretic in this regard, and that chat probably will not be inviting me back after this. <laughs> That's fine. We'll, we'll allow you to have a shot of whiskey before we put you on the burning pyre. Thank you. Uh, Does it have to be whiskey? Oh wait, we're both in Scotland. I suppose tradition <laughs> must. I suppose tradition must be maintained. But yeah, um, we'll see. We'll see. I mean. I wonder if part of the problem is that it it's almost and there's there's no good way to say it, it's almost that people are not getting much experience against subs, because you can have the ops, you can have the beta, you can have the encouragement. But when you're running into maybe one or two subs a game, if that probably less, the sub captains are picking up more experience than the anti-sub captains by a factor probably of 10 to 1. So the sub-tactics are getting evolved and developed faster. The anti-sub-tactics are kind of stuck because any individual is unlikely to run in... I mean, okay, when's the last time anyone actually directly got tangled with a sub this week? Uh, this week... Probably maybe 20 subs that I've faced in close combat. Okay, chat. It's uh, been the, some, but probably not a huge number. Exactly. Uh, the, the thing about... The, the problem is still that most 
submarine captains are very inexperienced and we will see if that changes when subs are released but as, as i said like most subs you run into barely know how their ship goes forward and 90 percent of submarine captains don't know that their ship can turn so it's like they they in two patches or something like they it, it's funny because they're like we reduced submarine underwater speed and at a dispersion yeah i mean they didn't really add dispersion but Sure, they uh, they slightly reduced underwater speed, but what they did in the same turn is give them insane turning circles, right? So they outturn every destroyer, which means basically, let's say you are a destroyer yourself and you're lucky enough that you have hydro. That means the only way that you can actually spot the sub when it's diving. And then you try to sail on top of it and throw depth charges. The sub outturns you. So if the sub knows that it can press buttons, it will just turn and we'll get out of the depth charges and, and, and escape that way. Usually, in my opinion, subs just, they basically, they just go in a straight line and you position over them in your depth charges. And even though they could escape, they won't because they don't know they can press buttons. And that's the state of most submarine players, right? And that's why submarines aren't the, the game destroying force that they could be just yet. It really depends how much submarine captains are learning. But that's also like the way Wargaming is developing submarines. Wargaming it's like with carriers, right? Wargaming doesn't think carriers are able to press a button, like drop depth charges. And submarine players just aren't really capable of pressing like A or D buttons, right? Most of them these days. And that's where the development for submarine is going. But if you find that sub that knows it has keys, you are so screwed. <laughs> uh, oh, well. I mean, maybe we'll reach some state of acceptable equilibrium at some point. I almost mangled those, but I got there in the end. Um, but, uh, yeah. Would, would this state of equilibrium be on the ashes first. of a pyre? <laughs> maybe. Maybe. I mean, yeah. we, we can't help. It's right. Wargaming has decided they are releasing submarines, and we will see what happens. And we will see how many people are as unhappy about this as I am. Your mileage may vary. Yep. Yep. Definitely the case. As I say, I would certainly support proxy spotting sub on sub again, because taking that away was a problem. And time delay for uh, the shotgun. So coming, time delay for enabling the dumb fire tops, I think, needs to go on as well. But we'll, we'll see where things go. Range, something like that. Yeah, I mean, the dumb fires already do have an extended arming distance. I think it's... I'd have to dig it up and check. I want to say it's close to 1,100, 1,200 meters before they arm. So I you... But I would have to look it up. They are also slower, so a lot of people actually shotgun you with the homing tops, right? It's like in which case they're trading off a third or more of the damage. I mean, it depends on what you are. Yes, like if if you want to shotgun a battleship, then you want to use the heavy heating bombs because you're still gonna hit it if you get it in a good angle. But if you are like, for example, trying to to shotgun a destroyer, you definitely want to go for the homing ones because the damage is more than enough to to take out the destroyer with your salvo. To which the uh, counter argument is that again you're gonna you're coming up, and if you're going for a sh close shotgun, okay, well, two k from a destroyer, 
what's stopping the destroyer seeing you come up and getting his attacks in first? He can't sink you fast enough because you have basically a destroyer like hit points with a French. Uh, yeah. What was it? Damage reduction thingy. Yeah, so if. Yeah. Yeah, oh yeah, the damage reduction's a thing, isn't it? Ugh. If if you are like if you're like a destroyer and a submarine looks at you, you can't charge. You can't survive a charge unless, as I said, the submarine is bad. But it's impossible to charge actually a submarine that's armed and looking at you. So as a destroyer, if if you're in this situation, you're just screwed. Which is also the thing, right? Because as destroyer, you'd have to get on top of it to launch depth charges, but the submarine can just. Destroy when it's doing it. Also, funnily mm. enough, if you are on top of it and from gap charges, if it surfaces, it rams you, which uh, you, is mutual destruction if the sub was a ramming flag. Mm, and if the destroyer doesn't, but since when did subs destroyers generally carry ramming flags? Um, uh, that's something actually extending the arming distance might help with because that would give the destroyer enough, potentially enough warning to get inside the arming distance of the torps and then just run the sub over on a close path close path with words jedi you're infecting me um <laughs> with depth charges or if you're the europeans of course well we holland and i think a couple of others have that party piece of the anti-sub mortars and oh, yeah. the sub may not even get up with those turn in you, you uh, could you could have i mean just just throwing this out there you know i don't think there's any ships that have anything like the Hedgehog throwers that ships later in the war did have, so you know, yeah. you could yeah, um, have a researchable upgrade for your ship potentially, or possibly do what I think they should have done in the first place and just make anti sub weapons a weapon type rather than a consumable. So you'd get an aiming reticle and you'd get the option for ASW mortars and similar, so you could forward yeah. fire, and as you say have a lot more precision rather than just push button and hope for best, which I think is not ideal. Uh, have, have you guys uh, used the, the, like the hedgehogs, the front-launching depth uh, charges from like the Holland? I've tried on a couple of occasions. It's well, start sh- my, I've tried it a few times. My approach was start shooting at two kilometers and wind the range down. See, it's uh, max charge, which, as I say, is we need a proper reticle on these. Exactly. Things. It's like it. It sounds like it's an advantage, but honestly, I found it's uh, it's basically the worst kind of anti-submarine armament you could have because that the problem is you don't know how far forward it shoots. Now, with a little bit of experience, you might get that figured out. But the next problem is you don't just have to hit the sub because the, the depth charge is light. So you shoot in front of the sub and then the sub has to sail into them because they come down. So you don't have to, you don't have to figure out just how much lead you give the depth charge sort of hits the submarine. You have to figure out how much lead do you give to shoot enough in front of the submarine that the submarine then sails into it without having a ground target. Then Which every... you have to do with every other weapon type in the game as well. I mean, a lot of weapons aren't delayed, right? It's time it's of flight like, on shells, runtime on torpedoes. Yes, yes, but see, the thing is, like, if I want to hit the ship, I have to shoot the ship, right? It's not like I have to shoot behind the ship to hit the ship. 
No, if you want to shoot a ship in this game, you have to shoot at where the ship's going to be. Same thing mm-hmm. as depth charges, you have to put the depth charges where the But you get the reticle and yeah. you get the... You and we've all had years of practice, so we don't... You can lock on to ships as well. You're not just, like, firing... Like, firing without lock, locking on, I mean, apart from the fact it gives you an accuracy penalty, is definitely a lot harder to do than firing whilst locked on. The, 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 my my point is sort of... That, but, uh, go on. You, like... <laughs> If you fire them, you see that I hit the water, right? So you can sort of aim that spot, but you it's it's you you don't see sort of the hit where the depth charge goes over. You see the the explosion afterwards, but that's what makes it hard to aim because you you don't have to aim the point where you hit. You have to aim the point where it explodes, which is a delayed after the hit, and that gives you an additional component that you have to figure out. But the other problem is that every small movement of the nose of your ship vastly throws off the depth charges, right? So if you, if you make like, and if the submarine starts turning and you start turning a little bit, right? Every, every little bit turning of your nose vastly throws off the depth charge. And the other part is if you're, for example, something like the, the Holland, you can't shoot your guns directly front, which means, for example, if the sub were to surface, you would have to choose to actually either you use the depth charges or you use your guns. You couldn't. Or you depth charge, charge, or you depth charge, run into his uh, blind spot, because of course they don't fire forwards. In fact, sorry, they don't fire a beam, and if they're German, they can't fire backwards either. And then you kick out and bring the guns into play. Um, But yeah, I, I agree. Depth charges should be their own weapon. They should have a reticle. Just so we have some an actual aiming point to work with. What, what, what I'd like is basically like a ground tower. I mean, the, the idea of hedgehogs would be that you can turn them, right? That you can see like a circle on, on the water, right? That you can move around. Like, as you said, like a weapon type, right? You'd see like, like a ground target on the, the, the ocean. And you basically select the weapon type, then you press fire the depth charges, and then you basically move the ground target around. Basically, you can move the, the launcher independently of your ship. Now, that would be a good yeah. idea. And then that would be a good weapon type. Did submarine? I don't think the mortars were trainable historically. I remember them being fixed, and they really did aim by pointing the whole ship at where they thought the sub was going to be. I mean, so, I'm not an naval. Uh, I'm not that well versed in naval history, but it seems like odd that you'd have a weapon fixed if it would like that. That shouldn't be a hard to make it turnable, right? And turning your entire ship is so much. More inconvenient than just turning a weapon, right? You you lose such big advantage it feels like. Possibly, but Hedgehogs were fixed, yeah. okay. Uh yeah. I mean considering that we have homing torpedoes on World War Two subs and other completely anachronistic things, I wouldn't be too worried if they were like, Yeah, okay, let's make turnable Hedgehog launches. I, I mean, I believe technically, Forrest, the reason Forrest Sherman has single launched small torp tubes is because those were designed to carry homing torps for anti sub work. So, <laughs> giving Forrest Sherman that as an option would be interesting. Yes, it's kind of something's been wrong. So, hey, why why is there a torpedo in the water? Why is it chasing us? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine if submarines couldn't just dive under torpedoes. Uh, well, imagine if... Uh, did we ever get an answer to this question? Do deep water torps 
hit subs if they're unlucky enough to get in the way and they're below the surface. I don't actually there, know. I don't think I ever got an answer to that question. Never exactly tested um, something I might have to I try don't... in the next stream. Science! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they do. Well, because uh, there's they... really only one way to find out. Like, it's not like submarines are actually like deep in the water or so, and that it has anything to do with uh, this is called draft, how, how deep a ship goes. It's basically just hard-coded which sort of ships they hit. I... Yeah, because the original deep water torps did go by draft. And we had this... I don't know if you remember the first testing of the Pan-Asian destroyers and the first run of deep waters. I think we were all CCs at the time, so we were all read into this program. And it was keel depth for each ship, running depth for each torpedo. And after a few weeks of this, Wargaming just looked at it and said, you know what? Screw it, it's too much of a headache for most people. We'll just do it by type. Yeah. So I wonder, as I said, they might have just done a magic. Um, this torpedo will ghost through any ship that isn't suitable. Or they might have actually kept the physical modeling. But the only way to find out would be to launch some deep water torpedoes and uh, try and get a sub to hit one, see what happened. So, so chat says they don't hit subs. They Excellent. don't. Okay. Just confirmed they don't hit subs. Right, we'll go with that for the moment then, because I can't be bothered to fire up a trading room and rip some of them. But <laughs> hey, maybe for another day. Maybe for another day. All um, right, so. Uh, well, we can, I guess, move on in, in the. Roadmap to, well, Japanese cruisers are also going to come with the next patch, I guess. Yeah, that was yeah, interesting. I, we had a, a good chat with Drac about those. So, uh, I, I am really puzzled about the tier eight. I, I was sure they were going to split the Mogami, 155 and 203s, and move the Mogami across as, say, Mikuma or Suzoya and just keep the 15-centimeter gun for the 9 and the 10. But they didn't. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, it's not the first time they've they've made some kind of slightly baffling decision as regards a tech tree. True. Yeah, but it, this one baffles me because it's one of the stated things about the splits, is that they tried to keep each line roughly consistent. They... One of the whole reasons for the first split was to get rid of this kind of yo-yoing back and forth between light cruiser and heavy cruiser in the very early implementations of the U.S. line, hmm. where you had, what was it? Cleveland at, at tier 7 and then Cleveland at tier 8, yeah. Y yeah. So you went from light cruiser to heavy cruiser to light cruiser to back to heavy. yeah. Um, no, because we had the tier 9, Baltimore, as she was. Was she? I think it was. Anyhow. But you still got this little bit of weirdness left in the Japanese tree when, and they've made up Shimanto, where they could just have just done the split, used a historical vessel, and got much the same effect, and kept the 150 dual purpose for the 9s and 10s as their selling point with heavy AA. 
Uh, I I think they just went to full creative mode and they were like, okay, we have one line that sort of all looks the same, just slightly, I don't know, bigger, modernized. And we put our fantasy guns on them and we'll, we'll call it a day. Yeah, I mean... Ugh. Like they, we'll, see, we'll see how the gun performs, I suppose. Like, they haven't even gone to the trouble of making actual descriptions or so for those ships. It's like, it was like a, a one-sentence sort of... Uh... To be fair, when you're using a 15-centimeter Japanese army gun on a Japanese navy hull, a situation that would not probably have happened unless Hirohito had gotten off the chrysanthemum throne and d- done an Oren Ishii style lesson of inter-service cooperation <laughs> with the grass cutter. I think that that's a thing that has like anyone <laughs> that knows anything about the uh, the inter-service rivalry, which is understating things slightly between the IJA and the IJN. I think that's probably the thing they found the most annoying, uh, 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 amazing. Uh, um, amazing. <laughs> yeah. I, I think amazing is the right yeah. word. <laughs> Even uh, with the entire uh, US Navy guns. bearing down on them, that the, these yeah. ships have got an army gun. I mean, I don't even know how many prototypes the army got built of this gun because it was meant to be a heavy land based flak. So that in and of itself is an eyebrow raiser. But hey, we've got Hayate with that advanced five inch gun. So. But hey, it's one of the warships. We can have our little what-ifs. Quite a lot of our what-ifs. I say, I'm just puzzled why we don't have Mikamurt 8 instead of Shimanto. Especially since we've got this weird Omino with the 155s at 7. That sticks out a little. Indeed. Yeah. But, um, uh... beyond, beyond that, I suppose we'll have to see just where they go with performance and testing because it looked like high barrel count, low reload. Again, just just this is 155 Mogami wrapped up. Why? Ugh. Anyhow. <laughs> yeah, it, it doesn't look like a line that's gonna rise too many eyebrows, nothing too, too concerning there. Could be fun. We'll have to see. Yes. Uh, of course stuff that is going to raise an eyebrow is some of the other things they've announced. Superships. Um, Patreon Edgar will leave early access soon. I, I guess this is just like everything has to be sold in early access these days. So I suppose that's just going to be a thing for Superships from now on. Well, they've got to pay the bills somehow and bear in mind they are spinning up a new studio effectively on an emergency basis. So uh, um, Look at it this way, at least it's not gambling. Much. S- small small uh, anecdote there with, with the new studio and so on. Um, I'm not sure if you saw the tweet usual. I think I sent it to, to Jedi. But, but basically, Wargaming is offering a Q&A course. So if oh, you yes. want to learn more about quality assurance, Wargaming is offering an online course on quality assurance. So... Uh, if if you want to learn how to release products with six new bugs or so, and then not fix them, I got you covered. I will say this for Wargaming. For all we like to poke them, they have not managed the truly epic 
fail that was back in 2000-ish and Battleground Europe's beta version, where if you uninstalled it, it nuked your hard drive. <laughs> someone, had mis- wow. someone had miscoded the uninstaller and it wiped out, and instead of wiping out the installation directory, it wiped out C. Um, okay, they, I, I'll give you that. They haven't gone that far yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, as irritating as it is when stuff bugs, as annoying as it is, they're not generally showstoppers. And they're not generally system nukers. Uh, I, I agree. The fact that they get through is still eyebrow raising. I mean, there was, like, last year, there was the torpedo bug where for, what, two months you had to change the camera position to to get your torps to go. Why? Because they didn't. And then after two months, they finally fixed it, and then the fix broke it even more, and then they had to emergency yeah. fix it in a few days. Yes, and then it came right back when it turned out to be something to do with the camera bugs. I, I had the I mean, bug a few times with backward-firing torpedoes. I mean, the, the, the last patch had, like, not the one that we got yesterday, but the one before introduced, what, I think, four camera bugs at least. Or aiming bugs uh, with the camera. I don't know why they even mess with the camera, to be honest. What it, was wrong with, what no was wrong with the old for. one? Exactly. The, uh, the thing that I really don't get is why the standard setting from the camera was not basically the old one, right? Because that, that just seems like uh, uh, common sense, right? Yeah. It, it's okay to offer different settings, but why is the but default setting changing? But don't ram it down our throats. It's like Give the, us the options, tell us about them, but don't force it on us. Exactly. Yeah. Anyhow, so Delana, which I, as I understand, is basically a super Holland. Yeah. And Klauswitz, which is Super Hindenburg. I haven't run into either of them. Anyone got comments or anecdotes to share? No. Um, um, I can't remember. The last, I think the last test ship I ran into just before the patch was actually the one that's just come out, the uh, Dubazan. Just the, the Spanish. The Brazilian one. Spanish. Um, oh, yeah, uh, Spanish. So, so slight Spanish-Italian ship. Sekiro uh, and Admiral Ushakov have like the gold symbol here in this article instead of, you know, the normal yes. tech tree. I'll, I'll presume that they aren't actually premiums, but it's weird. But I it's presume a, they're just normal. I wonder right? if it's just a legacy thing for the fact they're still in their testing and are effectively working yeah. under premium rules. With regards let's, to commanders and similar. Let's hope that's the case. Let's hope. Um, as for the ships themselves, Super Hakuryu and Super Kremlin. Essentially. Yes. The, the Yushikov's going to be unpleasant face, I think. I, I don't know what this alternate firing that they're talking about for the Yushikov's going to be, because rapid it's fire 18... Oh, good. Right, because it's... I had visions of rapid-fire 18-inch guns. <laughs> no, it's not rapid-firing, but you get 30% increased dispersion and, uh, I think, more range. And I mean, 30% yes. dispersion, dispersion on a Kremlin. Or decreased. De- decreased dispersion. Like, decreased dispersion, yes. So, so okay. it gets better. 
and it's get better significantly, right, on a, on a Kremlin, because that's what they thought, like, you know what Kremlin really needed? Sniping. <laughs> uh, okay, I mean, the, yeah, mind you, the Russian battleship curve is meant to go to dogs, the dogs past 15k anyway, although I'm not sure I've ever been convinced of that. Uh, but if they tighten it up and they... Yeah. Ouch, I think is the politest word for that situation. Yeah, like, why why not give it some buff or so that... Like, Wargaming has always at least claimed that they wanted the Kremlin to be, like, more of a tank, close quarters, sort of broader. Why not... Why not go more that path, right? Why not just uh, give it, like, some buff that helps with that? I guess they... they couldn't be bothered to make something new up, so let's just give it the Satsuma treatment. Why? Okay, as a random thought, why not either have the buff send the secondaries into overdrive or massively improve its resistance to fire and flood? Yeah, exactly. So effect- effectively, um, call it... I'm going to borrow the British term here. I don't know what, if, what the Russian one is. Call it Condition Zulu. So effectively simulate everything shut down, everything locked down, firefighting parties at stations, which is frankly where they should be at action stations anyway, but hey, let's ignore that for the moment. And just give it a wodge of anti-dot protection. Because the idea of Kremlin guns suddenly turning into even moderately accurate snipers is... Yeah. No. (laughs) Do not like... It's okay, they will sell it for for a hundred pounds. For early access. Yeah, I mean Probably. if if nobody has it, that means it's not a balancing problem, right? If 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 very few people actually play it. It doesn't matter that it's hideously overpowered. The funny thing is we might come back to that idea later on. But uh <laughs> Yeah, um We'll see. We'll see where it goes in testing. <laughs> Yikes. Well, so, and then there's Sikiru. So, um, apparently, it's another the, super carrier, what everybody wants. Apparently, the jet fighters have not uh, sufficiently trashed it that they're deploying it to a third super carrier. Hmm. I mean, they'll, they'll just make a super carrier of, of every nation that has carriers. At, at some point, they might as well just say, look. These are globally run run out now, so we're just going to call them Tier 11. I mean, I think most people are just calling these things Tier 11 anyway. Yes, I know they said they were never going to do Tier 11. I remind you, they said they were never going to do submarines. Right up the moment where Chief I mean, appeared in front of a sub, eating a sub to announce a sub. <laughs> yeah, I mean, if, if if it's effectively Tier 11, then we might as well just call it Tier 11. Exactly. I think it's a marketing thing. It just like it ends at tier ten, and then you have super ships, and then you can have, I guess, like ultra ships or mega super giga ships or whatever, right? And it's, then it it's, gets uh, just silly. branding in a sense. Yeah, I can understand it when it was just the Satsuma and the Hanover, and there were only a couple of them. But now that we're, all, I think we've got some like a third of the lines now have a super ship. Maybe we're getting further ahead than that. Might as well, once we get, say, half the lines deployed, just say, okay, you know what Tier 11 it is. Because that's basically what they are. 
And as oh. Sonny points out, you then have a problem that the carriers would have to be tier 12. <laughs> because of the every other tier rule. But, uh... Yeah, easier to just all call them super, right? E- easier just to put the star on, for the moment at least. We'll see where it goes as this project develops. Because they, they definitely seem to be in this for the long run, as far as Tetri expansion goes. Definitely. Um, then so then, there is the, Halloween. Uh, yes, Halloween. So, woohoo! I mean, who doesn't like the Halloween stuff? I don't think there's anything particularly controversial to be uh, said about that. Twilight. Temporary thing, Twilight Battle. Didn't we have that last year? Yeah, they have recycled that, I think, a few times. Isn't that like the one where you where you collect stuff and then have to extract? Like with the, the big pro- map? The proto-arms race. Um, possibly. Either way, it's, hey, it's an annual event. Good to have the content back, yeah. and it'll make a pleasant change. Um, the next thing, cross-server matchmaking. Ooh, that could get interesting. I mean, I do, I do wonder how that's going to work exactly. I mean, if it's going to be like um, War Thunder, where it's essentially the client is server agnostic, and you can mm. switch within the client which server you want to play on, or if if they're going to implement it some other way. Well, the problem with server agnostic is that sorry, region agnostic um, is that all the servers have to patch simultaneously, which means that what. Well, we can ignore the Russians for reasons. Uh, Ukrainian reasons, basically. Um, So we've got Europe, North America, and Southeast Asia. North Americans are kind of in the middle on this one. So they're going to have to set the pace on the patching. So either SEA or EU are going to have a patch potentially right in the middle of prime time which is an inconvenience. Okay, it's a once-a-month deal, so not a huge one. Uh, the other potential issue, and they actually acknowledge this, I think, quietly, is um, what happens if a player in Los Angeles gets a player in Poland? I mean, the question is ping-wise, right? Like, where, which yeah. server do they actually connect with? It's... It's something, I mean, the game generally is a lot more tolerant of higher pings than, than most online say. games. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, we're not aware with Counter-Strike, and I agree. I can play on the North American servers from Scotland without too much difficulty. Um, I mean, there's a bit of an issue where you don't quite have the precision of the reaction times, but World Warships is slow enough that you can get away with it, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, you're going to notice we'll it on like the really fast-firing things a bit more, yeah. but for a lot of ships, it, ju- it is really just a non-issue. Yeah. Um, say, it's an experiment at the moment, and we'll see where it goes. What, what I'm wondering is if, like, I mean, generally the idea of cross-realm has obviously the advantages of, of a larger player base together, and of course there is nothing wrong with playing with people from... Like, it, it's also a... Takes care of time zone problems. Like if, for example, you were working night shifts where, where you are living, right? That means yeah. you might have to play on times when barely is anyone on. 
And if you had like a global community, that means no matter where living or in which time zones you'll be playing, you'd always have enough people for matches. So there would be a lot of good things from that. Yes, and one thing they specifically call out here is the players down at tiers one, two, three, who yeah. are running. Well, they've got the protected matchmaking, but also kind of getting bitten by the protected matchmaking because their player base is smaller, and that's where they're playing to at first. So, as I say, it's interesting. It looks good at the moment. Let's see where it goes. What the the, the slight cynic in me wonders is, I mean. They'll try it, obviously, with low tiers, and then if it works, they'll gradually roll it out in bigger, right, for all tiers, probably. The question that I have is, if they make it work and they're happy with it, will they shut down the offices elsewhere, or will they just say, okay, we now have, we don't need, like, a North American office anymore because we can now, we all have one server farm and everybody plays in the same anyway. You run into banking and legal issues if you do that. Because... potential hiccups if you've got American players buying things from effectively a European firm. Not to mention, well, the Treasuries treasuries and Revenue Department start sticking barrels. And it's simpler, I think, to keep things broadly divided on long jurisdictional lines. I mean... You could still have a token. Like, I mean, there are games where you just... uh... I think there are games where it just have like one one sort of account. I mean, they they could like they they could just have all of the server farms somewhere, right? And most of the their staff, and then just have like a token office with like two people there that pick up the phone, just so that they have an address and are registered there. Because yeah, yeah, they could. I mean, question is whether it's bear in mind all that load will then focus down onto one server and one set of connections, and. Depending on how much you're willing to pay, I don't know. I'm not sure how well they go with failover capacity there. I mean, I don't if, know if that's that's it would yeah. be a good thing for them or not. I'm just thinking if if they'd go that way because it could be a sort of cost saving thing if you only need your major staff in in one location, sorta. And Maybe. you could then unify. You, then you could roll out patches like on the same day, right at the same time for everyone, and so on. Which is a swings and roundabouts thing, because yes, okay, that could happen. At the same time, the uh, US server is effectively a twenty-four hour live service, large scale guinea pig in case the patch goes sideways and they have to roll back. So true. There is that, although I don't think it's ever actually happened but they have got that degree of early warning if it goes completely belly up. They can pause the European patch cycle and at least contain some of that potential damage. Um, we'll see, I think. But theoretically, yes, if they are going to go full cross-realm, then they need to synchronize the servers. Otherwise, every month you're going to have that period of about 36 hours where the servers cannot talk to each other. Or where your new player suddenly has to have two clients and two executables deployed. And that comes with its own problems, particularly if hard disk space is limited, maybe, depending on assets. It it is interesting they found a way to press forward with this because it was actually trial for World of Tanks for a while before it was abandoned. 
World of Tanks is considerably twitchier than World of Warships. Though. True. So um, ping differences will make a huge that. thing there. And um, I, maybe there's just enough divergence into the the clients at this point that you know what what warships is is doing with their code base isn't necessarily just you know something they can copy and paste to more ta- tanks or vice versa. Tanks is on a completely different engine now and has been for a while. Warships, I think, is still on Big World. Tanks shifted over to Core. Well, that's true. Yes, a I couple of years that. back now. So I don't. Well, know it how... wasn't Core a development of Big World essentially, though. I've, I've... I've... Big World, I think, is licensed. Core, I think, was in house. They actually bought the company that made Big World. So, all right, okay, so a while back, anyway. Fair dues. Um, So it's all in house, effectively, anyway. Um, I mean, they were were by far the biggest game that that was using Big World as an engine. So I think at some point, and this is this is going back like six years, seven years, something like that. So yeah, let's just buy them. Why why pay the license fees when you can just buy the company? Yeah. Yeah, make, makes a certain amount of sense, particularly if you're planning to run their engine long term. Um, I suppose the other thing, of course, is that effectively the competitive scene has been quietly testing the basic idea of this for years now, because, of course, the international King of the Sea and Warships Classics finals have always had to be cross-continent on a single server. So someone's always had to eat that penalty. And it doesn't seem to have janked things too badly. Yeah, I, I suppose being on a small scale is not going to be the same as a you know full-on server deployment kind of thing. But uh... on the other hand, they're also playing at the very highest echelons of play. So mm. if ping is going to be an issue anywhere, it's going to show there. So yeah, I, it's interesting, and I think certainly for the newbies, it will be a significant benefit. Yeah, but. We'll see where it goes if they decide to roll it out across globally. Um, I mean, it almost certainly is. Now you've said that, it almost certainly is development of you know the fact that they've had that going for the competitive side, and that someone's had a thought of, well, would it be feasible to roll this out globally? Oh, it's certainly feasible. As I say, there are just a few minor things in the background, like version synchronization, and to what extent. Dent. Well, I, you can do it. The real question is the matchmaking, because your matchmaking server is then going to have to look at both pools and assign a game server and hand off like that. So it's perfectly doable. It's just again, it depends on the there's no there's, there's no real technical obstacle to it. It's just a question of getting it set up and implemented, and seeing how well it scales. Because effectively, what you have is a single unified matchmaking server, and then depending on where the players are, you can assign them, you can hand them off to the regional game servers as best optimizes for connections across the whole twelve v twelve. It would be nice if this came with an option to merge accounts because there's just one or two ships I have on NA that I don't have on EU kind of thing, even though I don't have many ships on my yeah, NA warships. Well, it, that would be I, nice. I can't see it happening, but it would be nice. But, no. I mean, the amount of effort they'd have to put in for what I imagine is edge cases like yeah. us, most people, I think, do not have multiple accounts across multiple servers. It's, it's, it's only, though, not only those of us who have media needs or I think we might be it because I mean 
some people might have friends on different servers or just like yeah. uh, the, the grind in a sense. Right, just start over. Nothing again. Yeah, that's impossible. But I maintain it's that will be most people. Yeah, that will we will definitely be an edge case in that regard. So then, uh, other things that have been announced are the Black Friday ships uh, this year. It's gonna be Napoli, Kiasarch, Mainz, Shaklov, and Shinonome. Yeah, Shinonome is the odd one out in that regard because all of the others. Shinomi was free in the yeah, sense that she campaign. was a campaign. Yeah. Um, I mean, the campaign Nap- still exists, right? It does, yeah. yeah. It's still there. They've never deprecated that. So, tight time row on that one. Um, as for the others, Mainz and Shkalov are commercial, so no surprises there. Uh, what's the purchase option for Kiersage? And I think Napoli is. Napoli. I think they were both coal. Armory. Give me a second. Because I've got the client up in the background. Mm, you could be right. Um, show all ships by coal obtained. Uh, Napoli is coal. Kearsarge is coal. I don't think there were uh, neither of them were for steel. Let's just see if they were up for doubloons. Oh, they were most certainly up for doubloons. No, Napoli was not. I don't see it in my doubloons obtained list. Let me just check Kearsarge. Uh, Kearsarge was doubloons as well as coal, if you have the option, 19,300. So Napoli and Shinonome are the odd ones out on that list, as far as I can tell. I mean, I can see them having... I mean, these are chips people can grind out for free, so them going, oh, hey, we can monetize that at the same time. It's not really a... Uh, Napoli, Napoli was able to be purchased for the Blutes for the first two weeks. It cost 34,950 right. Blutes. Tell me that was the Admiral pack with all the bells and whistles attached, because that's a ridiculous price. Uh, I, I'm just on the wiki, and they say it was an update 0106 and available for purchasing okay. the armory for 252,000 coal or 34,950 doubloons. So, no, that was the armory price. Yeah. Hmm. Okay. That's, um. Yeah, I can't imagine why that hasn't come back. <laughs> it's going to be interesting how much they charge for the black one because they are usually discounted. But even with a discount, they probably won't, I don't know, I'd say 25,000 doubloons or so for Napoli. I Depending on, depend, well, we'll find out when Black Friday rolls in, but we'll see. Um, but... Yeah. I, s- <sighs> I mean, I have no issue I w- with that. I, won- I have no issue, but I wonder how well Sheena maybe is going to sell. Yeah. Because I can't see many people coughing up for a Tier 6 torpedo boat that they can get free by completing uh, the campaigns. Question. How, how many 
Azure players, do you think, know that they can get Shinonome for free or that they are campaigns? Because Wargaming hasn't been advertising that for years now. True. It, they haven't exactly deprecated it. I mean, the tab is still there in the inventory. Of course, none of us have run the new player experience for a while, so um, none of us know if their newbies are getting signposted campaigns along the way. I guess we're going to find out. Well, Wargaming's going to find out. They won't share. It also might just be a filler for gamble boxes because we all know there will be Black Friday boxes, right? Oh, You wouldn't want just nice uh, ships in there, right? There has to be like the... Booby price? Filler, yeah. Yeah, but... um... Just wait till next year. It'll be the Makarov Black. Don't even joke. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we edit that bit out of the uh, VOD? Make, uh, uh, just pretend it never happened. Yeah, just a sudden burst of static. Absolutely. Shinonome <laughs> uh, Shinonome's not in the Yamamoto campaign. Uh, Sully, Shinonome, if I remember correctly... Is the end reward for honourable service rather than Yamamoto Isoroku? Yeah, it's so, the, it's the campaign. newbie campaign, isn't it? I don't think it's quite... Actually, no. Science of Victory is the newbie it, campaign. Science of Victory is the newbie. Honourable service is the was the first veteran campaign, so it's okay. all tier eight plus. And they have actually updated the missions for super ships as well, but that might have been a global if ten then star edition. Possibly. But uh, no, if not, they've kind of... It's very much a legacy thing, the campaigns now. They're more interested in the web campaigns that they're doing with the likes of Hampshire. True. Uh, then there are going to be some interface... Uh, that, that one I find funny, right? We plan to introduce a number of improvements to the commander interface, for example. We will add filters and the possibility to view commanders in a reserve. Didn't we have that, like, pre-last pre camp update? I'm pretty sure I could look up my reserve in the past. They just removed that, that feature with the captain's update. Yeah, yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. Oh, so, I have to admit, I used it maybe once in a blue moon. Uh, I, the, the thing is, if you have too many captains and you want to dismiss them because you can't fill them in your reserve anymore, you had to, like, look up your reserve and you had to like get rid of them especially like when when every time there was like a sort of event right where you had like special captains then oftentimes they were like sometimes they were like even level one captains alone and they then get transferred after the event to like a low level ship so in the past i had to dismiss quite a few captains often and i could do that back in the day in the, the reserve but these days you need to find a ship from the right nation and then just look at how many low level captains you have from somewhere and then send the old-fashioned way not that you realize that you have a reserve and that it's full until the game tells you that it's full because you can't move a captain around anymore. It sounds like a CC pro. Yeah, of course, being in the CC program gave me a lot of captains. That's, that's also where a yes. lot of them came from. Although I will also note that I'm looking at my, one of my captain screens right now and I do have a big button marked center reserve. But yeah, I but agree. It, you, can't it's a convenience the res- you can't open the reserve. You can send him to reserve, but you can't look at the reserve. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's a bit roundabout at the moment because if yeah. you go and click on change commander, you can then see how many vacant reserve places you've got, but you can only yeah. see the captains for that nation kind of thing. Yeah, it'll be nice to have that functionality back rather than, as you say, having to go round and round. But um, I'd say for, for me, it was a once in a blue moon problem. So flag it under welcome convenience rather than, yes, thank you, this is a major problem that you fixed. It's not a major problem, but it's it's like it used to be a functionality that we had that they actively removed for no reason a year back, right? Now they are like, hey, uh, I'm going to bring that back. It's for you. Yeah. yeah. I'll take it. I'll take it. <laughs> um, let's see what else. Oh, yes, the Seychelles map. So we're moving on into the winter 22-23. Map based on real geography. That could That could either work really, really well or it's going to turn into a balanced Charlie Foxtrot. Yeah, I seem to remember this is this has popped up in a previous thing. So yeah, we'll we'll yeah. We'll, we'll have to see. Um, it might be one that they decide won't be workable, or it'll come out in a changed form. Or it's an interesting experiment. But yes, I'm kind of glad they didn't start the game with the aim of well, we're going to make all the maps be real-world locations because that's, you know, kind of hard to balance, potentially. Yes. So hopefully it works, and hopefully they figure out how to do it in a reasonable production time and resources because having some more real-world locations would be a kind of a nice draw. But we'll see. Just remember, Ocean is still technically the most balanced map in the game. Also the most realistic map in the game. Absolutely. Uh, although, as Fu points out, technically we do have a approximately historical map. The Solomon Islands are based off that chunk. So, perch out there. But uh, it'd be nice to have a few more, and new maps are always good. The more the merrier. True. Then, uh, oh, we already had New Year celebrations, and this year's stockyard will apparently feature Admiral Schröder. And renowned 44 is the guinea. Okay, fair enough. I have to admit, I largely missed the drop on the Schröder. Um, you and Drac covered it recently, I believe. It's, yeah, uh, it was certainly one we. It's an egg year without torps. Uh, it's going mm. to cause some amusement as a name among Germans because he's a very yes. infamous ex chancellor. Yes, and has been embarrassing himself with regards to Ukraine. I, some of the uh, <clears throat> some of the German members on my Discord have uh, brought this up a few times. Let's say. <laughs> Yes, I get the distinct impression that quite a lot of Germans would quite like Schroeder to go off to Moscow and not come back. <laughs> uh, but yes, it's just unfortunate as there actually was an Admiral Schroeder in real life as well, and um, oh well. Whoops. Irony, etc. But I mean, uh, Renault... I guess I'm not surprised that it's going to be a dockyard ship because from the looks of it, it's basically an egg gear with 
I think it got a speed boost, but no torps or so. It's it's like this the same guns, uh, but similar hull, but a lot of things like an Jäger. Yes, I mean German super cruiser ish. Uh, we'll see where it goes, and of course, Renown Forty Four more historical ships. Yes, please, gimme. I think it's the easiest way to sign up. And yeah, uh, the fact the fact you built to grind that one out is quite nice as well. Yeah, that, so that's all welcome. Um, still want West Virginia Forty Four as well. Yeah, we're still waiting on that one. Yeah. I, I still don't understand why they didn't do Weavy as Maryland, the third of the Colorados, and then just do a modernized Weavy as Weavy 44. But hey, wasn't my decision. And uh, as you say, we've never. That one's kind of gone away, although I imagine quite a few US players would quite like to see that ship. Might still happen in the future, right? Anything might. <laughs> I, I mean, they Indeed. they are running out like as time goes on, the less ships they have to choose from historically. So it's yes. it's always possible that I just keep some in their backhand that they are like you know, in in a year or two we we can pull that out. Yeah, I mean, I mean at, at some when... point, yeah, we are going to start to see lots of variations of like either historically named ships, which are variations of existing ships that are represented as a class type, or Things I mean, like, you know, Belfast 43 and Belfast 44 and we, Renown 44 and like different versions of the same ship, essentially, in different loadouts. We, we've got quite a few class and even subclass variants, right? So Edinburgh and Belfast, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, Shiratsu and Yodachi. Fubuki and... We've got a couple of the Condottieris in the game. Yeah, um, Fubuki and Shinonome, although Fubuki's an amalgam of all of them, really. But yeah, the, as you say, only so many battleships and carriers in particular. Well, okay, maybe not carriers because you've got the whole damn Essex swarm, but only so many battleships got built in our time period. Destroyers and cruisers, you've got more room for maneuver because there were so many of them by comparison. Mm-hmm. Fu has just suggested something that okay, if you thought I was suggesting heresy with subs earlier, Fu Hidden Chap has just suggested the nineteen forty-four remit refit of the Kuma. With tier five Tier five <laughs> <laughs> Well, when I go to hell I know I'm going mm-hmm. to have company. <laughs> S- sorry, Fu, it's it's it, it only works if you make it Russian. Yeah, it was secretly transferred to Russia after the war. They found secret documents. Mm. Like, we all know Japanese ships don't have radar, right? Uh, yeah, well... Um, <clears throat> yes. Oh, God. That, you've, that, you've, that's reminded me fear. This has nothing to do with anything at hand, but I ran into a... I think it was a Fujin player the other day who had about... Uh, 150 battles on most of the ships they'd most played, and then they had their Fujin with like 3,200 battles. Hey, if you've got a favourite ship, go yeah. for it. <laughs> but yeah. when it's the Fujin, people are going to accuse you of yeah. clubbing. <laughs> yeah. Ah, <laughs> uh, Tom, what turrets? Japanese destroyers don't have turrets. 
but yeah, I mean, it, it's good to see historical ships, given that True. what else is coming is very definitely not historical. But I dare say we'll get to that when we scroll a bit further down. So, yeah, of course, we have map updates, which is always nice. Hooray. Pretty, 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 pretty pixels, always good. And, of course, Lunar New Year is coming around in the spring as well. Um, I have to admit, I have a personal bugbear here because of the Pan-Asian cruisers with their torpedo launchers and their reload boosters. Remind me again why we can't have the Kitakami? Um... Uh, <laughs> I mean, honestly, if I remember from memory from like the last time I tried to test it from playing, it was it was. Um, I mean, this obviously when team damage was still a thing, so that wouldn't be a thing anymore. But mm, yeah, uh, and they whacked it up to tier ten. Yeah, it was incredibly fragile, and just the moment you got spotted, it was just good night kind of thing. So yeah, really I, limited the effectiveness. I bring it back down to tier eight. Okay, that's fine. Still a, I mean, it's still a Kuma class at tier 8. But, um, mind you, they're putting it for a Tucker at 7 with the yes. with the new premium light Japanese cruiser. Um, and yes, Tomokai, yes, they did loan one of the R classes over to Russia. Uh, Royal Sovereign, I believe, became the Archangelsk. Technically, still in service. Her turret motors and running gear ended up providing the basis for the Jodrell Bank Telescope. I think. Although I think they also had to apply a hell of a lot of WD-40 when she got back. But yeah, um, I feel a bunch point out that the Pan-Asian cruisers, particularly the Jinan, have got I think it's 10 torpedo tubes either side plus a reload booster and we can't have Kitakami because she dumps too many to- I'm sorry, well, what? <laughs> well, uh, true. Jinan has... I think it has 10 per side. A reload booster that would be... Uh, well, I mean, a reload booster has a bit of... Uh, a very long reload, let's put it like this. But yeah, Chinan puts out yeah. a lot of fish. But the thing is, and I think that's the main problem, personally, with the Kitakami. Uh, at least the last time they tested it, there wasn't a very great playstyle. And this comes from Shimakasa yeah. player, because... When you're in a Shimakasa, right, you do spotting, you do capping, you do a lot of things while you wait for torpedoes to reload and you also launch torpedoes, right? Yes, whereas Kitakami was torpedoes, 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 and then have a either a coffee break or a tender and funeral whilst you wait for the reload. And And she couldn't spot because you were outspotted by the DDs, yeah. Exactly, and you couldn't get so close because you also didn't have the concealment, so you were launching like at, uh, with 15 kilometer tops from around 10 kilometers. So we're like 10 kilometers away from the enemy and you were running in circles, launching all your tops, waiting for a reload, going for a circle again, launching all of your tops, and then hey, uh, waiting like for a reload again. And it's, it's just a very boring fi- uh, play style and also very... But if the torps don't hit because you can't get close enough to get better chance of hitting and you can't do anything else that feels worthwhile like spotting or making objectives and so yeah, it, yeah. It, it was not a very good addition just. It also did not help that they gave her the Yodachi torpedoes, which have to be some of the worst torpedoes in the game. Mm. So, um... Nah, I think there are worse these days. 
I don't know. I mean, 15K, what is it? 57 knots. I think it's like a 2.2 kilometer spotting radius. No, it's, uh, I think, 1.7 spotting or 1.9 right. or so. They were, they were pretty terrible torpedoes. Let's agree on that. Anyhow, now that our little diversion of Pan-Asian cruisers is done. <laughs> so, yeah, Dirigible Derby's back. Uh, sure, I think they, the, the game mode was okay. And if they improve yeah. it and bring back better, then I'm all for it. And again, this is why I kind of like the balls as well. Just throw a twist onto the formula of random battles every so often. Just keep the variety going. Uh, Destiny 2 does this regularly. Pretty much every weekend you've got some twist going with the PvP side. Just to keep the basic formulas fresh for want of a better term. So, well, hey, a bit more variety. I don't think anyone would complain too much about seeing that pop up in the rotation. No, although, to be completely frank, uh, the next brawl's going to be spicy. Is the next brawl the, the three versus three carriers? Yes. Three versus oh, three carriers. Yeah, there's a whole separate news article on that, isn't there? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> this is either going to be hilarious or it's going to be a crash and burn disaster. I don't think there's going to be a middle ground on that one. See, this is where I don't... This is, I, I hate carriers, but I don't mind. Like, if the carriers have their own game mode, then it's perfectly fine for me. But I, I do wonder, right? I, I think we've commented on this earlier, the... Uh, Zeppelin might do very well if it's secondary, so do you think it's going to get farmed by Cargus? I think what's going to... What might do in Kaga is the damage control on carriers. Because Kaga does quite... And the Tier 8 Brits as well do quite a lot of damage by flooding. And of course Brits are fire starters. But with the carriers, you've got super damage control. So sure. Zeppi's advantage might well be close in, get the secondaries going, because yes, Kaga's got those eight-inch guns, but she hasn't got the range, and her captains tend not to be specced for it. Zeppi captains often do. I think we might see Zeppi and Chekhov running the show in this pool. Um... Because Chekhov's and what's the regular tier eight Russian? Uh Pomeda. Uh, yes. Uh have got the standoff capabilities. Uh Zeppi's got her secondaries. Kaga would have to be standing off with torpedoes and doing her best there. But of course, if Zeppi's actively maneuvering, it might get interesting and spicy on that front. Because Zeppi Zeppi captains might say, you know what? Screw the planes. <laughs> Stay in manual control and just sail me closer. I want to hit them with a sword. I mean, the uh, Graf Zeppelin's certainly been quite fun in some of the operations where you just get to rack up hundreds of secondary hits. Yes. Will's, this one could get interesting. Oh, somebody in church has said the maps are fully sized, so Soviet TV is carrying off before getting close. I mean, that's a bit of a shame if the map are. Yeah, and I can understand why they're going for that, but then of course you've got control points and the turbo scoring in Brawls as well, haven't you? Yeah, but carriers can keep interrupting you. 
I mean, the thing is that Akarias tend to have very good AA, but uh, the Soviets yeah. are mostly AA immune because they drop from far enough away that, you know, they, they drop before mm. the AA does something. But, but if the Zeppies are steering under manual control most of the time and foregoing their aircraft, then are you going, are the Soviets going to have to telegraph their drops so badly that they're going to be able to dodge? Hmm, it's the carrier's turn to just dodge. <laughs> mm. uh, <laughs> As I say, it's yeah. either going to be fun or it's going to be a disaster. There's going to be no mid. I don't think this is going to be a meh season of brawls at all. Well, I might even be tempted to do one or two myself just to see what the nonsense is like. I, I think that is going to be the way, yes. Huh, are they allowing divisions for this? Brawls <laughs> usually are divisions, yes. Let me check. Divisional is, this, is this the first the time that you can division triple carry? Uh, specific to your server, 3v3. You know, then, there's nothing here saying that brawls are going to be banned. Yeah, you know what? There's nothing saying divs are going to be banned. Um, I triple mean, they Zeppi had... Div? Hell yeah. <laughs> Did they had like the, didn't they have like a 9 versus 9 brawl or so, 12 versus 12 brawl, where you could have like a 12-man division? And like you could, you could go over the 3-man division in, in all the brawls. You could division as many people uh, as you wanted so far. Mikulik is saying no divisions in current brawls in chat, so I, oh, think okay. we'll have to wait. I think we'll have to wait and see when it goes live, but... Yeah, this this has the potential for comedy. Actually, that's a good. Point. Is it live? Is it live? Brawl active. Um, it's active. Three v three. Create division. Um, no players currently looking for a div. Um, nobody in contacts. I wonder. We we might have to test that later on. I think. But Possibly again, Mick may have just sunk science. It, so science, yes, science. Completely for science. Definitely not for our own sadistic amusement. <laughs> so yeah, that that could be interesting. I think I know what I might be doing on stream at some point this weekend. Speaking of interesting things, the next thing that is good news is from, uh, and for, for next year, I've planned bounty hunting, something that has been often done on the US server, and they actually want to make it um, an actual official thing Pro in the game. Properly sort of. supported, yes, at last, because it's always been an ad hoc thing that they've had to do in the community. It's never been completely um, integrated. So, yeah, could definitely go for that. Of course, it might get interesting for the bounties, because if they now have a big shoot me for cash icon over their heads, what's that going to do to bounty survival type? I mean, it'll uh, certainly be interesting to see how it impacts people playing. I, mean, I think I... there's a similar sort of dynamic thing in War Thunder where you can have players kind of 
within a game they'll put a bounty on a, another specific player and they have to like if somebody manages to kill them within the time limit then they get a, a reward out of it basically I do vaguely remember that, yes. Um, I don't remember it having much of an influence on my gameplay, but then again, not something I ever really mucked with. The other thing, of course, is that hopefully what happens is properly integrated and automated the payouts for the bounties. So the community staff don't have to go and do it manually after the fact, because that will save a lot of uh, tears, I think is the best word for it. Yeah, the, the way I understand is if the one officially supporting the client is that then you get like in-game maybe like a star or something and then you probably get end-game rewards if you if you kill that maybe like directly yeah. get your couple of flags or whatever. That's my read of it as well. So hopefully it makes for smoother bounties and of course it, it, the bounties tend to be a US server thing so maybe we'll see them more commonly on the other servers as well. Now that they've got the automated support in for it. Hmm. The hunt for Mr. Conway. <laughs> that could be interesting. Then next up are collective combat missions. Now, the way you understand it, isn't that what they have done already a lot with the... Uh, like there have been a lot of events where you pick, like, uh, uh, a team... Sort of, right? Or there are three different, uh, I, I don't know how they call it, the, the naval bureaus or whatever, right? Yeah. For all of those events. And yeah, there are collective like combat missions basically for that team. Yeah, I mean, I'm reading this as the equivalent of Elite's community goals, where they set a huge target and all the community gets together to, well, chunk of the community gets together to try and do it. Um, That's not an uncommon we- thing in a lot of kind of online online games with uh have those kind of like you know here's a community reward if everybody collectively does this much damage to a boss or collects this many items yeah. or whatever it's it's a fairly common thing in mmos um we'll see how it plays out in warships again if it encourages people to play then well hey let's go for it i don't really see an issue at all um, yeah, there is there is actually one thing that I really really like that we've kind of glossed over, skipping f- from Derby to bounty hunting, and that's settings going server side. Indeed, well that'll be a nice that'll be a very nice quality of uh, uh, not having to reset. On, it depends a lot on the settings, so. I- the thing is that immediately jumps out to me is what if, for example, I'd have like uh, an, a laptop or I'd have my home computer, right? So I'd probably have different settings because, you know, uh, different... Uh, different capabilities. Hardware. Yes. Yeah. So you definitely wouldn't want, like even your resolution, right? You're probably using a different screen or you, want, yeah. Yeah, like you want different settings for... If it's something you could toggle on and off, I think that would make that really a non-issue. Like, you could choose whether yeah. you want to have the server settings or not. And, sure. or better yet, just say, okay, these settings are specific to this hardware. I mean, you could have profiles, right? You, you those make, yeah, that's the other way of doing it. Local. Um, or, as you say, just keep things like graphics and audio settings, stuff that relies heavily on local system performance. Keep those local to the client. 
but things like minimap settings yeah. or similar. Hallelujah, yes, store those on the server. I am tired of having to update every single damn ship every time I need to reinstall the client for whatever reason. Although I would I'm... love to have global minimap settings as well, but that's a long-standing bugbear of mine. Yeah, I, I I agree with that. Like there are certain settings that would definitely be nice if they're server side port. I'm wary because you know some settings you definitely don't want global on on wherever you have this game installed. Yeah, I, I, that hadn't occurred to me, and I agree with you on that. If it particularly if there's a noticeable hardware impact or dependency, then you need that local side and machine specific rather than globally applied off the server side. Hopefully they'll think of that and adapt accordingly. Swar gaming. Obviously they would oh no, yourself. I would point <laughs> out they have a room full of ultra potato PCs for testing. So I don't see them loading up a profile with an Uber thirty ninety Ti and then trying to transfer that profile to a moldy potato. Uh, I hope they're going to have the sense to try that because that will illustrate the problem pretty damn quick. Yeah, see, that's the thing. They'd have to actually try that out. But maybe, as we've established, they have this online quality assurance. I was going to say, maybe their (laughs) QA graduates can do it for them. Hey. Uh, Uh, New achievements for the game. Woohoo. Nothing wrong with that. They, they are actually adding like cope achievements, which you know why, why not? It's like it's not costing them anything, and exactly there is... you've kind of got co-op achievements anyway. Stuff like see star in operations. So if they broaden that out a bit, then woohoo! Yeah, but you know there 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 are some specials for operation. I mean, they could add more for this, but for like regular cope, there's nothing. Yes, uh, and we've got the new lines. Oh, planes! <laughs> okay. Uh, hybrid battleships. Maybe you guys are excited, I'm not. I am I am curious as to why they've gone for, gone it for this. They're unusual. Ex- they're, ex- they're obviously extending the concept from Kearsarge, Project 1058.1. Um, so they're taking, I assume, North Carolina, Iowa, and Montana, and converting them. This opens up a whole slew of things. I mean, what jumped out at me when I first saw the pictures was that these battleships all have deck edge elevators, which is a post-World War II thing, for a start, as far as I can remember. Um, let me just check, because I know most of the U.S. fleet carriers did not have decage. I think that comes in with possibly... I mean, there was, I think, Midway? a proposal in, in the 80s, but we're talking at that point, like they were For thinking Iowa. of yes, Harriers. Ha- Harriers come off the, the rear deck. Yes, Harriers, VLS launch cells, Phalanx air defense systems. That, that'll be the Tier 11. Yes, possibly. But, um, yeah, I, uh, that is not the line split I was expecting to see. I think that's the best way to put it. 
I don't think anyone was particularly expecting this as an announced line. Yeah. Um, the funny thing is, is that I'm not entirely sure. Okay, obviously Issei had a bit of a surge of popularity with the recent uh, 6v6, sorry, tier 6 battleship brawls. When's the last time anyone saw a Tome in randoms? definitely an unusual sight, yeah. I mean, it's not like you see a lot of the... the, uh, I think his art more than I've seen Tone. Yeah. Um, But but let's face it, Wargaming has released a lot of tech tree lines over the the last year that you basically don't see. Yes. Part part of me wonders if they might not be better going to a four-month cycle than three, just to give players a chance to catch up. Um... I I, I think basically wargaming. Well, in one way they are sort of running out of gimmicks, and in the other way they have this new system. Like, well, new is relative. The hybrids, and there isn't like a tech tree hybrid line yet. So it makes in a a sense, in a way, that they are like, so we we have this gimmick. We don't have a tech tree line with this specific gimmick yet. So why don't we do one? And it's and they. I'm not sure they're coming up as brutally overpowered. Um. Although I'd have to go and check because if something like that was OP, you, I think we'd be seeing a hell of a lot more of them. As you point out, Tone and Issei just don't seem that common in battles. Uh, of course, the other thing that gets me is that they're going with these paper, really paper designs because I am damn sure I never saw Decage Elevators on a hybrid. Because they're a post-war thing. And of course you've got the Drakinifel, what well, what Drag calls the Issei paradox. By the time these hybrids make sense, you're so screwed that they're not gonna make a difference. Mm. Um but of course the funny thing is is that there is actually a semi-historical line that you could do for hybrids, and that's the Japanese aviation cruisers. Well, one of the, the things with the Japanese light cruisers we were wondering about is the the last one they produced, I think, was the Oyedo. Yeah, like I mean, speculating that could be a, a hybrid at some point. Well, this is the thing. I mean, if you were going to do a split with the Japanese cruisers, you'd split them off at five. You put Oyedo at six because she's got, I think, it's a pair of hundred fifty-five millimeter turrets plus her aviation. Uh, you put the aviation version of Mogami, which I think she got late in the war. But you'd have to, again, that ties to the split. So you have Mogami as the aviation, you have Mikuma as the light, and you have Suzoya as the heavy. Job done. Historical all the way. Uh, Chikuma as a tier 8, essentially a copy-paste of Tone, maybe with a few tweaks. You need to paper the 9 and the 10, but you're going to have to do that anyway, because Japanese heavy cruiser construction stopped with the Artigos. I mean, they okay. They got the Ibuki's going, but they were converting them to light carriers at war's end. So, yeah, you the light converting and splitting the Japanese light cruiser branch makes more sense than U.S. aviation battleships. I mean, that just came out of nowhere for me. I mean, I think like what Wargaming considers a lot more than like history or sense is basically they, they look at sort of what's uh, 
but in a sense, what they think is more popular, in a sense, what uh, like lines they, what what True. kind of lines they've released, right? So they are like maybe cruiser line, destroyer line, battleship line, and so on. And they probably felt like they needed a battleship line then, and. I wouldn't be surprised if somebody is like, okay, we need another battleship line. Uh, any ideas? And they're like, what gimmick haven't you tried yet? And somebody's like, hybrid battleships. And they're like, okay, good. We make a hybrid battleship line. And, and I wonder like, if part of it is that an aviation battleship with relatively slow-firing guns has less of an opportunity cost to use than the planes than oh, definitely. a cruiser. And I wonder if that's why... Part of the reason why perhaps Tone is being less popular than Kisaj or Ise. You also don't get deleted, so it's because you see you see a lot of Kiersage players that aren't the greatest possibly, let's put it like this. So they some launch their planes when the ship isn't relatively safely positioned, sometimes even when it's horribly positioned, but you're less likely coming back to a deleted ship while you go off with your plane somewhere. Also battleships a lot of them sit so far in the back anyway that they might as well be curious. So I feel like from the way casual players play their ships, the battleship synergizes a lot more. It's not just the, the opportunity cost, it's just uh, the way they position and the way they use their planes. It's probably... You know, yes. I mean, for, for hmm. a lot of those zonal battleships that actually increases the damage output because they aren't hitting anything with the guns at this range. Anyway, maybe they'll get something done with planes. <laughs> Maybe, or at least I'll be providing spotting for the rest of their team. Um, although the although the uh, perspective of the battleship as a carrier that launches twelve kamikaze, twelve very small kamikazes every thirty seconds is an interesting one. Um, but uh, yeah, that that line really surprised me. Um, I I was not expecting that at all. I don't think I had any expectations. I wasn't really. The thing is, they have like hybrids. But when was the last hybrid ship? It was a while ago, right? Hello, I think. Oh, there we go. He's back. <laughs> uh, oh, yes, yes. Sorry, my my internet has. Uh, on a hissy fit. It oh. is, is Whiskey or Sabrina chewing on some cables they shouldn't be? <laughs> By any chance? No. <laughs> yeah, so... I'm checking um... just to make sure. <laughs> okay. Yes. And then we've got the European gunboat artillery destroyers. So... Yeah. Uh, They'll be interesting. They'll, they'll certainly widen the uh, diversity of um, nations that we've not had represented up until now. Yeah. Um, of course, bringing in a Greek ship. What's that Greek Fletcher they've got? The, that's the Velos, I want to say. I really like that That yes. special camo for it. Good, good excuse to bring her as a premium. We appear to have lost the stream. It should be coming back. Yay, we're back. There we go. So, yes, um, good excuse to put the Velos in as uh, 
premium Fletcher, another one. Mind you, there were, I think it was 176 of them, so uh, if we Mm. put the entire sisterhood in, we could be here for a while. But, uh, yeah, I mean, we just see how they differentiate them from the other artists artillery destroyers we've got in the game now because if you think about it we've got the German Sparkreutzer the Italian Espatory of course we've got the French the big French Contratorpier as well so be interesting to see what they do to differentiate those yeah I mean I guess we'll we'll find out that there might just be a there might be a highly gimmicky line or there might be just a sort of Fairly generic, this is a destroyer line. We'll see. Oh, it might just be all the DACA, because there's the same caliber of up to 140 millimeters. So I wonder if we're going to see some varieties there. So just like every kind of product the Bofors company ever produced for a start. But, um, yeah. We shall see. We shall see. Early days yet on that line. We've got a teaser and not much else on that front. Indeed. I mean, that uh, that's fairly fine. The future still, right? It's after the US battleships. I'm wondering if Wargaming even has an idea what exactly they're going to do with it, or if they've just gone over what branch they, they could introduce and be like, yeah, it's this and... I suspect they're at least signed off on general concept, but let's take another three, four, six months and do the detail work yet. But uh, yes, if they do the hybrids, if they do the subs in as the big release in first quarter, that puts the US hybrids in second quarter. So we'd be looking at the European gunboats... Dare I say, this this time next year, basically. We've got British submarines coming at some point as well. Yes, although I think that's going to be an adjunct to the sub launch. Because if they do the testing cycle at the end of this year, they can drop the whole subs active in 12-0 and use the Brits as the line for development while everyone else... Well, everyone else will be playing catch-up because everyone will be trying to research the German and the uh, American subs as well. Of course, Hmm. uh, it's early days on the Russians and the Japanese yet. So we've got plenty of potential there. So I think that might be where they're going with their release rough schedule for the year. Subs, first quarter, aviation battleships, second, European destroyers, third, question mark, fourth. I mean, it's... uh... It's interesting if they're going to release sublines next to the other lines because they have obviously they have the, the German Center Yes one as a start. They have the British already announced, and they have said that after the British they'll do Russians. Yes, um, there's been we've got that one Japanese premium sub. Yeah, that's test. true. There's, yeah. there's that, but, um, but the main branch is what I meant. But yeah, so we don't really know what the main branch will be. And of course, there's. There's always a couple of elephants under the carpet to borrow, well, to mutilate a metaphor. 
Um, obviously, there's the French Sukhouf. And, of course, the Japanese I-400 carrier subs. Because nothing could possibly make Reddit happier than seeing a carrier submarine. I mean, <laughs> that could be a British artillery sub as well, potentially. True, although I Was think... Was it the M-Class? I can't remember. Uh... We experimented with artillery subs a few times. Um, I think the, a couple of the M's and X's at least toyed with the concept. Yeah, the M-Class had a single 12-inch gun. Yes, and Sukhouf had a it. pair of eights. And yeah. then we all generally decided it was a bad idea and no one ever spoke of it again after about 1943, I think, was when the Sukhouf went missing. Possibly 44. Could be wrong. So, yeah, I think that might be one reason why they are so keen to get subs in, because it opens up another four, five, half tech lines and gives them more things to work with, not to mention more premiums. That's... Yeah, that's, that's, I think, basically the, the roadmap we have so far. Yeah. Other than that, something that I've, I've asked usually also before the chat, and he also didn't have an answer for that. Uh, has somebody figured out how to get SAM containers? Because it doesn't seem to be like, it, obviously, the most important thing about the anniversary is getting SAM as a captain. <laughs> and, obviously. And I've they have so announced. I don't know what it, it was from. Yeah, but I think it was yeah. from a mission or so that. Or maybe from a bonus code or something? The only references I could dig up were from three years ago, from the fourth anniversary missions and giveaways. Was So I don't know if they're planning to do missions on the quiet or if there's going to be a giveaway later on in the anniversary event. Uh, Sully says no sign of Commonwealth. Yeah, Commonwealth Tech Tree would be nice as well. Um Although it would have to, it would be mostly escorts because, well, there, there were some discussions about Commonwealth battleships and cruisers. Well, one nice thing, there were some Commonwealth cruisers, weren't there? They just, they just never got to full-blown dreadnought battleships. Uh, well, I mean, the closest would be things like um, ships that they essentially, you know, paid for for the Royal Navy. There were a couple of battle cruisers, weren't there? H yeah. HMS Australia and HMS New Zealand. Hmm. Problem is, we only see our captains from the shoulder up, so we don't know if they're wearing the grass skirt aboard New Zealand. <laughs> so, I mean, you could you could certainly make an escort line work. You could probably make a cruiser line work. I don't know that you'd be able to crowbar in the battleships, but you could do those as premiums. No problem with that. I mean, we have got, you know, like, French and American things on the, the Pan-Asian tree for no particular reason, so that might not stop them. Foo, that's a mental image I didn't need. Um, yeah. No, it, it can work. Um, Although I wonder how much access a uh, Cypress-based developer with close 
formerly close links to Belarus and Russia, has got to uh, old NATO and Commonwealth archives right now. They might have a harder time of... uh, I can see a certain amount of institutional paranoia kicking in there. Um, But yeah, as Chat is pointing out, uh, New Zealand and Australia were indefatigable class battlecruisers. Achilles, if memory serves, was a Leander class cruiser. Of course, we've got the Perth as a premium already. The entire scrap iron flotilla down at tiers three and four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you could def- there's definitely enough there to make at least one. It's just a question of wargaming, getting the details and finding the dev time for it. But no, um, I don't think anyone knows how we're going to be getting the sandboxes. So the kitty, the kitty remains in the realm of Schrodinger for the moment. And we don't even know how to open the box now I think about it. So, does the kitty exist or not? I mean, there exists a cat in in my box. True. I can tell you that much. We have many cats. Well, you two have many cats, I don't. Well, you have a cuddly shark, sir. Yeah. I mean, a cat is just a kind of cuddly land shark, right? True. I don't recall cuddly land sharks ruling the universe, and cats do. Or at least they think they do. And with that notes of wisdom, I think that's about it, or was there anything else that's happened? I don't think there is much else that comes up for discussion. There's the usual round of contests and missions in play. Uh, none of us have the Elvara de Bazan, so I don't think any of us really have... Well, I don't have anything useful to say on that ship. I haven't seen one, I haven't played one, I haven't fought one. And they're chasing Iowa replays for Sea Smackdown. So deadline for that is the 25th of September, if you have done something particularly epic in an Iowa. I know that they don't seem to be uh, counting the Missouri, but um, details. There's the usual um, clutch of missions you can opt in into on the the portal as well for anyone that hasn't, or even if you go on the the news articles on in in the uh, client itself. Yeah. Generally, going through through news articles often has hidden buttons. Yeah, that, that that's proved a very good way of persuading people to read the news articles. Well, or at least open them up, do a rapid scroll down for the big red button. <laughs> buttons. I mean, whether actually reading the text is open to argument, but it's worth a try, and hopefully it's having some effect. But no, other than that, I think after just shy of two and a half hours... We are more or less running out of stuff to talk about. Yeah. Shocking, um, isn't it? Yeah, because the uh, last dev blog was the 1st of September, and you did that last week. Yes, that, that was the announcement of British subs, and everybody rejoiced. I just want to know if you're getting the bomb under the casing on Thresher. 
I'm going to say probably not. Too soon. <laughs> hey, uh, they got they got two VCs out of it, and nobody died. Well, nobody but Thresher died, I think. Um, the uh, ship they torpedoed and royally pissed off the Luftwaffe as a consequence might have had a different opinion on that. <laughs> so, but uh, yeah, doesn't really count. So yeah, yeah. I, with this, I think we can call it a night. Indeed. So, Thank you very much for having me. Thanks for joining us again, Yusral. It's been always a pleasure. You're welcome. And, and yeah, where can we find you? As always, if you wish further heresy, I am at twitch.tv forward slash Yusral, youtube.com forward slash Yusral as well. I, I'm really imaginative. What can I say? <laughs> and with that, have a good night, everyone. See you next time. Good night. Uh